fucking like I've got a kid it like puts all four fingers into her mouth just like all fucking time just drooling all over her goddamn hand and it's just like good morning to you too <laughs> she and her, her her English name's Aurora. She's named after my one of my favorite Disney princesses. And just oh like, yeah, wow. you've mentioned you've mentioned her before. Pure elegance. Pure <laughs> elegance. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. man, but not quite as elegant as A Nightmare on Elm Street. Wow, what a cinematic <laughs> masterpiece. Yeah, it's not supposed to be. We'll get there. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I guess with that, we can get things started. So welcome back, everybody, to Dance Robot Dance. This is our 170th episode. I'm Tim. I'm going to be hosting this week as we, I guess, sort of close out our, our Halloween episodes for the year. Uh, we're going to do one more classic horror movie, which uh, there's no reason playing coy about it because we already announced last week that we're going to be talking about uh, Nightmare on Elm Street this week, the original 1984 slasher classic. With me, I've got, uh, we have our whole crew back fucking finally. There's no no more rotating out here. So we've got Mark from Milton, Ontario. I am here. <laughs> and we have Paul from South Korea. Good morning, everybody. Yeah. So how are you guys doing this week? good yeah. i'm all right so excited for halloween celebrations it's i guess it's our like this is gonna be our holiday weekend or so uh my friends and i are going to the kind of foreigner party district in seoul and we're gonna do some dancing i'm gonna be the most sober werewolf at the party <laughs> it's gonna that be that would be so much fun being sober yeah. <laughs> around a bunch of hammered people uh, well, we'll see how it goes. I, I'll probably end up bailing early and just getting takeout, but like, that's uh, that sounds more fun to me than waking up tomorrow morning with a massive hangover. Indeed. So there you Fair go. Enough. Yeah. Cool, cool. All right. Well, let's go into the news for the week. The big one, I would say, is that we got the final Star Wars Rise of Skywalker trailer last Monday. Uh, did you guys take a look at that? I did. Sure did. Yeah. And it looks good. It does. It looks good. It's real fucking good. Like all that huge shot with like all those like rebel ships in it. And like people have been like freeze framing that and like picking out all these crazy like old retro ships from the original trilogy, like fucking Y wings and U wings and all the fucking lettered wings and yeah, all kinds of crazy mm -hmm. shit in there. And look, yeah, I'm really fucking pumped for this. I already got my tickets. I got my tickets for it yesterday. When does that come out? Uh, the 21st of December. I mean, I think like that's the Friday. Thursday night is like the 20th. Ah. Oh no, the 21st I think might be the Saturday. So I think you might you can get tickets for like the Thursday night, which is the 19th. I'm going to be in Bangkok for Christmas, so I'm not going to be able to go see it on opening weekend. Oh. But I'll definitely see it in the first week. Nice. But, but, but. Yeah, I'm really excited. Like the the music was so good. Yeah, that that like version of the fanfare that had yeah, that's like super epic is that that got me for sure. I got chills when I heard that. I was like really excited about and then, it. And then so, fucking C3PO like saying, you know, his little note saying like I'm taking one last look at my friends and just fucking tears streaming down everybody's faces and Yeah, and I'm just thinking like why are you doing yeah. this to me? God damn it. But it's, yeah, it looked, I'm really excited for this particular iteration yeah. of Star Wars. Me too. Yeah. Let's see what other news do we have this week. So uh, sort of related to what we were talking about 
couple weeks ago now, maybe it was just last week, about Kevin Feige taking on sort of more of a leadership role or higher level leadership role. It looks like Jeff Loeb is out now at the head of Marvel TV, uh, which is not that surprising because, I mean, it's been it's been a mixed bag, let's say. You know, the Marvel Netflix stuff was great for the most part, but there was also, he also did Inhumans. So I don't know. Yeah, he did in humans. He he fucking rammed Agents of Shield into the ground. That lock and key, no lock and key, no cloak and and dagger dagger got yeah got canceled this week after its second season. Yeah, Uh, I still haven't even fucking watched that. So no, me neither. And I I heard there's a crossover with Runaways at some point too, and I'm like that now that that show's dead in season three. So great. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so and the, the problem is like I'm I I don't think any of those shows are gonna count anymore. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. all those shows are just gonna kind of go away. Like they're not, yeah, gonna be included in the like the canon of the MCU. Yeah, uh, I think that's gonna get some of those are gonna get jettisoned. So I'm like, am I ever even gonna sit down and watch Agents of Shield now? Now probably not. If it's gonna get like jettisoned into the canon, whatever Obscura, then fuck yeah, it. I'm hopeful that. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. will sort of come full circle because it kind of spins out like of, you know, Clark Gregg's uh, role as as Coulson in the like phase one, basically. And then yeah. if they brought it sort of back full circle and they close out the series by like bringing Clark Gregg like back into the public eye kind of thing, like actually into the MCU. And so, you know, we can start having him in like the next iteration of Avengers or something. I would love like if Sam Jackson ever does want to step down as as sort of the head of shield or whatever, if they just fucking brought in Colson, that'd be awesome. Yeah. To take his place. That's why Maria Hill's there, but okay. yeah. Yeah. Well, but no, maybe she's, maybe she's sword. Right. And then shield could be Colson. Oh, I still want my agent brand. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, I want agent brand too, but I, I, I think they need to be very, very carefully selective of what they bring in to the fold when it comes to the TV stuff, Netflix include like, like the, the cast of daredevil is a no brainer. Kristen Ritter as Jessica Jones seems obvious to me to like, just bring on over, like just fucking bring them, like pay them all the money, bring them back. Like, I can't think of anybody else now who should play Matt Murdock other than Charlie Cox. I don't know if anyone should play Jessica Jones other than Kristen Ritter at this point. So, and Clark Gregg, bring him in. But, like, there was a serious quality issue when it came to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So the more more we kind of chop away the better like just bring all the good shit in and like yeah, just like leave forget that shit ever happened. leave that deathlock guy behind and yeah. and Oof. yeah all those all i mean fucking Poor all the august richards man yeah like, just, he just keeps getting railed can't get your fucking break you know <laughs> so good on angel but like just yeah man. i have a soft spot for fitz and simmons so i would love to see them get incorporated into the mcu at some point but i understand if they don't I can see, yeah. see what I could, the TV shows like some of those characters I could see being like oh that they're, they're in the background of like Cap and yeah or, just uh, yeah just a yeah, little cameo yeah. moment kind of thing you don't even need to like yeah. really explain who they are or whatever but just like have like Coulson like talking to them about some device or something that they're making to help out Cap or well you know, now now Falcon or whatever yeah so yeah mm-hmm. yeah that's how see, that, the show the title of that show weirds me out now after endgame because i'm like he's captain america now yep captain america winter captain america 
in when he had the com like when he was Captain America and had the shield and flew around as Falcon Captain America. They, the book was just called fucking Captain America. So yeah, yeah. I don't see him as Falcon at that point. Like he's got the shield, so like no. Yeah, and that's the first series we're getting, isn't it? The first yeah, of yeah. The, the Disney Plus series. That one is. Yeah. When does that one come out? Captain America. It's like and the Winter Soldier. It's like in December, isn't it? Like right as right, just around launch. Yeah, I think I think it's like a month after launch or something like that 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 yeah. one comes out. I don't I can't find it right in front of me right now, but yeah, so that'll be once the hype around the first few episodes of the Mandalorian. Yeah. Is that, the, is that the launch could, show? Yeah, Mandalorian. That's the, yeah, that's the launch. There's show. no original Marvel series that's going to be releasing at launch, is my understanding. Their big launch yeah. title is going to be, uh, I mean, all the archive stuff, but is going to be Mandalorian. Yeah. Well, I'm still, well, yeah. And then like six MCU movies, too, apparently, because they don't have the rights back yeah. to them until the new year or something. Yeah. So, so. yeah. I might hold. See, well, we're gonna want to watch Mandalorian, right? So I'll probably get it then. But yeah. I might. I, I could cool my heels till Winter Soldier came out. Also, yeah. So yeah. Um, let's see. Going across the aisle to DC, there was a little bit of an announcement about Wonder Woman eighty four, and particularly Pedro Pascal's character in that movie. And Pedro Pascal's character is going to be Maxwell Lord, who is a fucking like key villain in like 90s 2000s dc comics so i just hope he doesn't piss off diana in this movie yeah like, <laughs> get fucking <laughs> get <laughs> fucking neck snapped because <laughs> so. yeah, that, that end could come real early in this yeah. movie for uh, no reason yeah. but i i love that max lord character is a fucking fantastic yeah. character in the comics so i'd be yeah and i love pedro pascal as uh, an actor so i think that that could be really cool agreed no i'm uh i'm like when does that movie come out I hate, I, I, don't know, I keep asking like when uh, stuff comes out. I that one I think is like... like next summer. Wonder Woman eighty four. I feel like we've been hearing about that movie for like it got three pushed years. back. Like just yeah, it was yeah. Oh, it got pushed back. Yeah, like it was supposed seven to be coming out like around something. now, kind of thing. Like late. I think it's supposed to be like maybe like a Christmas release, twenty nineteen. But now it's pushed back. It's coming right now. Its release date is June fifth, twenty twenty. Oh, okay, it's so like next summer. So sort of summer block. It's yeah. It's there. It's DC's like summer blockbuster that's, next year. It's gonna get swallowed up by seven Marvel movies. Twenty <laughs> twenty. <2020. laughs> yeah. Well, we'll see. Speaking of pushback, did you? Are we gonna talk about Last of Us? Because that got fucking delayed till May, and I'm so annoyed. Oh, Speaking did of it? Things getting pushed back. Yeah. No, I didn't see that. Yeah. So, if you guys were looking forward to The Last of Us Part Two, it has been pushed back from February till I believe May. Yeah. May. Yeah. May May, May. 29th, twenty twenty. It's looking now. Yeah, I saw the announcement. Oh, so like three three and a half months or something like that. And cried a little bit because uh, I was really looking forward to that game. Everything got pushed back, man. Cyberpunk's not till like fucking April. I was like, God damn it, I got nothing to play now. This sucks. <laughs> We have plenty to watch, though. Goose game. That's about it. Goose game. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, speaking of stuff to watch, uh, what just shot up to the fucking top of my like weekly must-watch list uh, is HBO's Watchmen, the pilot of which came out on this past Sunday, and holy shit, was it good. I've heard nothing but good things. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. I'm also kind of planning a binge, so I'm not sure if I'm going to watch any of it until I'm like ready to do like four or five episodes and uh, get yeah. into it but i uh i've heard excellent things so far and i'm excited to get into it so yeah i mean uh, unsurprisingly it's hbo production quality super high but the writing was fucking on point like it's very relevant they're dealing with like white nationalist issues and issues of like of police brutality and police yeah a lot of transparency yeah please transparency that kind of thing yeah a lot of pretty interesting uh stuff going on and i think that they've 
it's definitely got that Watchmen tone, but it's very much updated for modern sort of political issues. And a lot of people are complaining, but a lot of asshole, like, fucking white supremacists misogynist yeah fucking alt-right assholes are complaining because they're like i don't want fucking politics and watchmen and i'm like (laughs) people that clearly did not fucking watch the original series or or read the original series i know Um, i was going to say i'm I'm assuming half these people haven't even read the fucking book and are just talking about the Zack snyder movie which was also extremely political political. yeah Yeah. so like (laughs) yeah Regardless of what people think about that uh, Zack Snyder Watchmen movie, it captured like the, the like the tone of the comic really well. Yeah, uh, and like the themes and stuff like that. Yeah, and it's just like uh, they they have a very much like weird not my Watchmen kind of vibe to it. Like this, ever since like Rorschach was uh, came out as a black man basically like the white mm-hmm. nationalists have had a really weird relationship with Watchmen because they're like oh yeah. Rorschach is this awesome anti-hero Randy and, and like they obviously missed the point of what Rorschach was supposed to be um <laughs> yeah. but then they they're like oh this hero that I worship is a black man underneath the and I'm just like <laughs> they're they're not they're just they they don't know what to do with this series and i'm kind of glad about it because like yeah it's uh, let them be maybe confused. that cognitive dissonance will fucking sink in at some point it's probably be, not probably not be nice yeah. yeah let's see what other news do we have this happened very shortly i think after we last recorded but um, we had talked a little bit about this live action cowboy bebop movie or uh series yeah series or movie series series starring john cho but apparently he's had a pretty bad onset injury that's going to delay filming for like seven to nine months. Yeah. Fucked up his knee pretty bad doing a stunt. And it sounds like just one of those sort of freak accident kind of things. Like nothing really could have, they were doing everything they could in terms of keeping it safe, but sometimes shit happens. Yeah. So. I'm glad, I'm glad they're not recasting. Cause I really like the casting of John Cho. Yeah. So, but I was really curious about this. So I wanted it to come out soon to just to like, get it kind of get it over with because i really (laughs) love the original anime series a lot it's just like this stylish fun kind of noir detective adventure romp and so like i didn't know how well it was going to translate to live action regardless so i just wanted to like get released so we can get it over with and maybe we can have our first like good anime adaptation because we've had yeah. a vid- pretty good video game adaptation, even though it was animated in Castlevania. I just we need to make that jump. Like, there's so many good video game and anime properties that could be made into live action film in a good way, and not like the cheesy blue screen Japanese like fucking Naruto movie or whatever the hell. But like, <laughs> or the Attack on Titan movie, even worse. But uh, like, it's just we our hopes are always built up with these comic book adaptations or video game adaptations comic books have been done well video games were still waiting yeah yeah and fucking if fucking Uwe bowl has his way there will never be a good fucking video game adaptation film i know or maybe, Rennie Harlan. maybe it'll maybe it'll never happen but maybe we'll get a uh, movie adaptation of the last of us that'll be good I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> it sounds like that movie is, or that game is already basically a fucking like movie that you play kind of thing. Yeah. So good. <laughs> so, so good. Let's see. In news relating to movies that are probably even less anticipated than Joker, did you guys watch this 
Bloodshot trailer from with Vin Diesel? No. So Bloodshot is a thing. Valiant Comics character. Oh, I heard about this. I didn't watch the yeah. trailer. Though. Yeah, yeah. They actually put a trailer yeah, out for yeah. it. That's and awesome. I mean, it looks like big budget and everything. I mean, it looks like basically a fucking Vin Diesel vehicle, but I have no fucking interest in this whatsoever. No, neither do I. Like, I mean, Vin Diesel is not really somebody that I watch yeah. a lot of. I mean, I, and I have no interest in this character in the Valiant fucking movie universe. And I think it's basically just people trying to ride this wave of comic book movies, but, you know, all the good characters are taken. So they're like, let's go to, instead of going to like image or someone like that, let's go to like fucking tier six of comic book publishers. Valiant. I don't know. What was the one? They had one that was good. Was it solar man of the atom? That was not bad for like a couple issues. And I don't then know. I never of, read any Valiant off, and I never really had any interest in, I th- I've read some Valiant, but not like, I always found it was kind of, it was a little yeah. ponderous. I think. I, I don't remember specifically. Yeah. So. yeah, I'm looking at the director's like credentials, and he like I guess used to direct Saturday Night Live in like the 80s or 70s or something. Like, that's a good sign. That's when you want. Yeah, be. That's, that's, yeah. Yeah, that's. I really don't know what the hell this. It looks like it looks B movie at best to me. Yeah. Like this looks like something that like I'm gonna throw on on a Sunday afternoon when I have nothing better to do. Yeah. It also has Guy Pierce in it, and holy shit, how the mighty have fallen. <laughs> Guy Pierce is like 70s or 80s Christopher Lee, like doing schlocky, yeah, like yeah. hammer <laughs> hammer movies now. He's been overdoing that kind of stuff for a while. Like he did like Iron Man 3, oh, yeah. and ever since then, like he's been just kind of, he does random stuff now. Like I don't see him doing like, because he used to be like LA Confidential guy, right? And, and like fucking like, Memento, Memento, that was like command performance. Yeah, like serious performance and stuff like that. Now he's like, hey, man, I'm going to be like third string in this B movie. I'm like, all right, cool. I, <laughs> I guess. guess if that's what you <laughs> want to do. It's like, it, I feel like it's like a Nick Cage situation where like he's just got big gambling debts or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Like he bought Action Comics number one and like fucking shouldn't have or whatever. That tracks. So, yeah. <laughs> and then the only other bit of news that I had this week is another very small bit of Lord of the Rings TV series casting news. The show that Tim is so infuriated that Paul and I were just kind of like, yeah, all right. <laughs> it's all right. I guess we're doing this. We're doing this, right? We just have to do this. Yeah. Uh, but they, they cast Joseph, I'm not sure how to pronounce this, Maul or Male, who played Benjen Stark on Game of Thrones, has been cast as the lead villain of the Lord of the Rings series. Basically, the name that they gave him when they made the casting announcement is Oren, O-R-E-N, which is not the name of anybody, but everybody's just kind of assuming at this point that they're uh, just using code names for now. So, I mean, there's been obvious comparisons drawn to that name and Sauron. So we'll mm-hmm. see. I like that. I mean, he, he's obviously got high fantasy chops already behind him. So Yeah, just copy Game of Thrones cast, paste onto Lord of the Rings. I mean, like, why not? I mean, you've got these, like, actors who are already familiar with, like, doing the fantasy setting thing. So, yeah. like, just roll with it, I guess. I, I like Benjen Stark, so, like, in the brief moments that he was around. So Yeah, Col- Hands was definitely one of those characters that I wanted to see more of in the show. Mm-hmm. Like, I wanted to know more about his story and what he was fucking doing off beyond the wall forever and that kind of thing. Yeah, so do the book readers. We'll find out, I guess. Maybe, (laughs) maybe one day. Probably not, but whatever. (laughs) Uh, But that was everything I had. Did you guys have anything else that I missed? Mm, I don't think so. Wasn't that busy a week in terms of news? I looked at stuff today, but now I'm not remembering any of it. So must have been really important then. 
Yeah. All right. Well, then we can move on to our Geek of the Week. Geek of the Week. Where we discuss the nerdiest things we've done in the past days or so. Past seven days or so. Uh, Mark, what is your Geek of the Week? So this is like an advanced Geek of the Week. Next week, I will be tabling at Markham Comic Con. Exciting, I know, but <laughs> small. I just want to do a little... I'm doing a little test marketing thing with some of my the work I'm doing right now. So if you want to come see the illustration work I'm working on right now, come to Markham Comic Con next week and I'll have a table nice. there. We'll have a couple. There's a bunch happening in Southern Ontario from between now and Christmas, and I'm going to be at like basically all of them. So if you are a fan of the show and are nearby one of those, come see me and buy something from me. Yeah, pro- promo all that stuff on like our on Facebook, on our Twitter. Well, I'm totally going to throw it on the... I'll put it on the Facebook when we do this yeah. episode where so. uh where and what dates i you know what i should have looked that up <laughs> I, I restarted my computer so like it's uh it's november 3rd okay. in markham oh jim shooter's gonna be there by the yeah, way i just saw that that's cool yeah so uh monte carlo in um seven two five five warden avenue in markham it's five dollars for adults and children are under 12 are free come see me draw stuff i guess so nice it's only five bucks to attend for adults, and kids are yep. free. It's very exciting. Nice. So, be good times. I went to the uh, Hamilton Comic Con last weekend. It's the same organizers who did this one. We had a good time. Like, it was fun. So, cool. And the tables were cheap. So, we we're like, let's try it. So just put all my <laughs> artwork out there for people to look at and see how it works out in public. Mm-hmm. So, nice. It's very exciting. Cool. Paul, how about you? Well, last week I missed the episode because it was my birthday and I had like, stuff to do but my geek of the week is that for my birthday my birthday weekend movie was hot garbage fire maleficent 2 mistress of evil and i went oh no and i went to see that with my friends and it was like uniformly terrible but <laughs> like it was possibly like but that being said it was a delight to watch Angelina Jolie and Michelle Pfeiffer just chew the fucking scenery for as long as they did. My only gripe is that they spent too much time on other characters and not having the two of them on screen together just bitching at each other because that was the best part of the movie, pretty much. I just don't understand this Disney's desire to like have these movies like turn into like an expanded universe where now like Maleficent has like a family of dark fairies that are like part of her like fucking coven or whatever the hell. It's dumb. It was we have yeah, fucking spin-offs to or sequels to spin-offs yeah. and spin-offs from sequels and etc cetera, etc cetera, ad nauseum. Yeah, there's an entire chunk of the movie where Maleficent is just not speaking and she's on screen and she's not talking at all and I'm like what the fuck are you doing? Like <laughs> like the this was a bad fucking choice. The creative choices in this movie were baffling to say the least and uh, like even <laughs> even Michelle Pfeiffer had some pretty fucking suspicious line reads like there's this one part where she's like your kind is more predictable than humans. And I'm like, bitch, what the hell are you doing? Like, there's something going on here. There's a lot. So it was not. It's like, I only read this for the first time this morning. <laughs> Definitely. That's probably because it got wrote this morning. Yeah. yeah. Cool. <laughs> cool. It was, it was something else. But like, it was like one of those movies where I probably should have watched it for free on like a Sunday afternoon where I wasn't really caring much about it. In a way, it was fun to hate watch it. It was just like, it was shitty. 
but uh, I'm glad I saw it because now I know I don't have to watch a third one if Angelina Jolie ever needs another paycheck to put her five other kids through Korean University, which is what's happening with her first. Yeah, book. she's she's got Eternals coming now, so oh, that's that'll true. pay her for a while. You get that Marvel movies now. Yeah, so she's like, got get that, that Marvel, Marvel money. Yeah, those Mar- yeah. that other Disney money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's kind of the well. I guess it, I mean the Pixar is the other big Disney money Disney money right now, but yeah. Marvel is not. Marvel's like a big chunk. Yeah, and Angelina Jolie's voice acting prowess was already used in the DreamWorks hit Shark Tale, if you guys remember that fucking (laughs) monstrosity. I I didn't until now, but... (laughs) I remember that poster because it stayed up in the theater for like two years before that With Will Smith Fish? Will Smith, yeah. Yes, Jesus. (laughs) I remember that one. Yikes. Big yikes. So yeah, Maleficent 2, don't watch it. Yeah, Jesus. (laughs) Nice. My Geek of the Week. So I sort of inadvertently got Alicia back into Pokemon Go a couple weeks ago, based when we were up in Canada for Christy and Mark's wedding, actually. And so she's hadn't played it, like, I don't think since we were traveling to Europe, like last summer, like last August. So now she's like got all this like fucking like research tasks and stuff to catch up on, all the special field research. And now so now she's like, I got to go out and do all this stuff. So like we went out last night and uh, actually did some raiding together, which was the first time I'd raided with another person. And I, well, that's not true, but with the first time her and I had gone out together raiding in quite a while. And I'd specifically like kind of left the house just to go play Pokemon kind of thing. So that was pretty nerdy. I've been uh, on an off swing with Pokemon go recently. Like after they did the shiny Mewtwo event. I was like, I need a break because they had the, I guess the raids were Giratina for a while and I was not that interested. Mm-hmm. And Darkrai, like, I don't know why Pokemon Go chooses to make the raids more difficult for people. Like they've increased the difficulty on yeah, the raids. You'd have like eight people or some shit to fucking do. Yeah, and it's like, I, I have decent counters for that particular raid. Like most people should, like everyone should have Machamp by now. But like, like yeah. you go to like a casual raid and people like with 12 people and they're still failing because nobody has good counters for it. So it's just like, it's been yeah. kind of frustrating because I don't even think I've caught a dark ride yet, but no, I haven't yet. Cause I haven't. Yeah. Me and her, it was just me and her last night. And like I said, we need like what you need, like probably minimum, like six or seven high level people for yeah. a raid like yes. that. Yeah, pretty much. So it's not yeah. ideal. Like I'm going to try to do some reading today and see if I can catch a dark ride at my local hotspot but i don't know we'll see how it goes i did get a get a lit a couple litwicks nice. this week and also with the masky ghost pokemon yeah, mask. Ba- bad mask yeah. damask yeah, yeah mask. that one yeah yeah i haven't got that shiny yet but we'll see how it will we'll see we'll see <laughs> <laughs> all right well with that we can move on to our meat of the episode thinly sliced dream meat so as we've discussed we are going to be talking this evening about a classic slasher film uh, nightmare on elm street the 1984 version uh, which is a longtime favorite of mine Uh, the whole series really is is a favorite of mine Uh, directed by legendary horror icon wes craven shot on a fucking budget of like less than two million dollars featuring robert england as freddy krueger the Bastard son of a thousand maniacs. Heather Langenkamp as Nancy. John Saxon as Nancy's dad. I think his, I can't think his name is John in the movie too. I don't remember. 
yeah, yeah. And Johnny Depp in his like first starring role as Glenn, basically Nancy's like boyfriend, who interesting bit of trivia initially went to that audition accompanying Jackie Earl Haley. And then Johnny Depp did a reading and got the role as Glenn. And then Jackie Earl Haley in the 2010 remake ended up playing Freddy Krueger for one fucking bad movie. Mm. So. Pretty terrible movie, actually. I watched it this week. <laughs> yeah, uh, that I did not watch. I, I ended up getting through the first like seven movies over the last couple of days. I was just like putting them on in the background while I was doing work and stuff like that but i have not watched that 2010 version in a long time i was thinking about watching the rest of these but i don't know that i could ever sit through part two again <laughs> uh excuse me i don't, I don't mind gay, part two actually gay camp classic a nightmare on elm street <laughs> part two yeah yeah very much is yes is that, like yeah. the gay community has accepted that as like one of our movies now like that oh is yeah. Just, yeah yeah absolutely like, it's it's definitely like he even has a fake girlfriend in high school like yeah. it, and he's flaming by the end of it like yeah yeah and then, and then there's that whole like fucking like leather club scene with the oh. gym teacher and and the, the shower murder oof, oof, yeah yeah yikes, yikes, oof, yeah <laughs> yeah uh, but tonight we're mostly talking about the original movie so do you guys remember the first time that you saw the original Nightmare on Elm Street, Mark? The original, no. I remember the first one of these because these they were all out when kind of already out as we were kind of yeah. getting into teenager like land kind of thing. Like I, was, I probably saw it like ten or eleven. I was way too young to see it, mm-hmm. but like saw it anyway. <laughs> that that sounds familiar somehow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, weirdly enough, this happens a lot. This happens a lot <laughs> with these movies. Um, but this is one of those ones that I think I actually had to, I had to go sneak and watch with my friends kind of thing. But it was one of those movies that we definitely like, rented on VHS and watched. But I think I saw the fourth one first, actually, and then I like, had to go back. Dream Child. I think that's Dream Warriors. No, Dream Warriors is Warriors three. three. Yeah, Dream Warrior. Uh, no, yeah, Dream Child is is uh, four. Sure, they're all the fucking same. Oh, Dream. Ma- sorry, Dream Master is four. Okay, three through five are all the fucking same. <laughs> so, like, whatever you want to say. From my recollection, anyway, I think it's been a long time since I watched them. But the original one was probably when I went and had to go watch, probably around that same time. Like, we went and rented all the VHSs of all of them and kind of sat down and watched them. Mm-hmm. I don't see, it's funny with Freddy because, like, I never really found him scary. I always put Freddy on, and it's funny because, like, everybody talks about him with the same, like, reverence as, like, Jason or Michael Myers or somebody like that. I always put him in the same category as Beetlejuice in my head oh yeah yeah i can see that you know what i mean yeah yeah so like i watched beetlejuice this week too and i was like man these are like the same fucking i mean like more the later movies but i'm like man it's just the same fucking thing right like yeah (laughs) yeah definitely the the later movies he he becomes sort of a different i mean he doesn't i don't think really evolve into his true form or his final form until like maybe the second or third or something like that i think it's the third the third ones where i remember the, the camp really like yeah yeah kicking into high gear kind of yeah, thing the, welcome yeah. to prime time bitch yeah that kind of <laughs> stuff really gets there but eventually i'm like yeah he's just beetlejuice you know so i don't find him scary yeah i guess and I, i'm sure i did when i was a kid but like that's not a fear that has lasted very long so these movies are always kind of like okay they're there and i've seen them all but mm-hmm. all right yeah like i'll go back to a halloween or a I mean, on our Friday the 13th, because most of those movies are uniform Dog terrible. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I'll go to Nightmare on Elm Street for the same reason I'll go to Beetlejuice, because yeah. I want the fucking laugh. Horror comedy movie, kind so. of thing. Yeah. yeah. Paul, how about you? When was What was your first exposure to Nightmare on Elm Street? I think that it was probably, like, if Mark saw it, then I probably saw it. Because I know I was... Yeah, he's going to play. <laughs> I was going to say he's going to play me for this yeah. one, too. I'm pretty sure, like, I watched it, like... 
peeking over the couch or through a door while someone else was watching it. Like, I'm pretty sure, like, <laughs> yeah. that's how I got to see, like, bits and pieces of uh, Nightmare on the Elm Street. You, you were up late, too late one night with me and John. Yeah. And we watched yeah. it. And it, you got to watch it probably three years. Like, we were watching it two years too early for us, and it, so which makes it four or five years too early. For yeah, 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 yeah. Four or five yeah. years. Too, yeah. yeah. Good times. Yeah, good, good times. times. <laughs> I love how much I'm, I'm trying to think about how much actual damage I've done to your <laughs> as we're recollecting all this stuff. Oh, the I'm like, oh god! The, the, oh, I did that to him. That oh, that's shit. my fault. Yeah, that, oh, that's man. why I always make yeah. off-color gay jokes just to like pay back the damage, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, but like, I don't care. It doesn't phase me at all. <laughs> yeah, I know. But like, I think overall, like I I absorbed a Nightmare on Elm Street through pop cultural osmosis more than I actually sat yeah. down and watched the series yeah. until i got into my university years when people were like look at horror movies they're a valid genre and i was like eh. and then i watched them and i was still like eh, okay <laughs> but um, <laughs> for the most part like I, I i'm not a big horror person until like until i accepted a nightmare on elm street as like a comedy camp series i didn't really enjoy it so like now yeah. now that it, but i have that mentality surrounding it and i'm not expecting to be creeped out or scared i actually enjoy them a hell of a lot more but like a long time ago i was terrified of these things because i was like <laughs> seven or eight when i first saw like <laughs> people getting slashed into pieces so there you go yeah yeah, sorry, buddy. <laughs> this is this is probably one. I mean, this is one my parents never would have let me watch. Um, so it's probably oh, yeah. one that I would have like seen at a at a friend's house or something like that. I think I have the this buddy that had like HBO, and it was probably on HBO around Halloween. So I think I probably watched it there. And yeah, it never really like scared me that much. I was mostly just intrigued by it. Like I always, I tend to watch horror movies because like I like to see like creative kills and stuff like that, and like interesting mm -hmm. effects and that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's why I watch like the Saw movies, for instance, you know, probably usually like once a year or so. So and that's definitely like what I what I get out of these movies is especially the original, like you get, uh, you know, some of those like classic kills and stuff like that. But and you don't get as much of like they said that can't be Freddy. He doesn't really come around yeah. until like the second movie and doesn't like hit full stride until like the third one. But you start to see like little bits of the genesis of that here. But I mean, this is just you get those iconic like silhouettes of Freddy with the hat and the knife glove and the like, you know, big bulky sweater and everything and the scarred face and what really ends up being just like codified in this for sure. And and like Paul said, like you get so much of this through cultural uh, osmosis. I mean, look, even recently with fucking like Rick and Morty and, and Scary Terry and all that. Oh, that's right. And yeah. the, the classic Treehouse of Horror from the Simpsons, where yeah. Willie plays the Freddy, yeah, 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 parody, and God, that that was so good, <laughs> so yeah. well done. <laughs> Lousy yeah. Smarch Weather is where that that's where that came from. Lousy, Lousy Smarch, Smarch Weather, weather. That's right. yeah, that's true. That's that Lousy <laughs> Smarch Weather is from that. That's good. Yeah, yeah. that's my Halloween tradition. Is the uh, the, the, the like classic ones? On. Yeah, they're really yeah. good. Yeah, I like to put the first like three or four hours of them on while I'm handing out like the mountain of fucking Halloween candy I had to order this week for. <laughs> the monsters that are going to come to my house this week or next nice. week. 
But yeah, I mean, I agree with Paul. These aren't movies that today really scare me or I don't think would really scare anybody unless they were like, you know, pretty young kid. Um, but it does like yeah. back in the day, you know, this fucking came out 25, 35 years ago. And and at the time, like I could see it being somewhat scary. Like it plays on that like classic boogeyman kind of myth, like something under the bed, like something waiting for you in your dreams. And like also has that neighborhood urban legend aspect to it as well. You know, like, small town with a secret kind of thing and like i was going to comment at one point that it does track like it in a certain oh yes yeah. you know what i mean like it's like almost like a, a smaller scale budget it yeah is kind of what nightmare on elm street is and i was like oh that's interesting that they're almost like they're almost at the same time kind of thing i think they the it came on like 1982 or something like that so, yeah yeah like the book I mean. yeah and then that like creepy nursery rhyme that goes along with it that plays really well into yeah. that like small town with a secret kind of thing and and then the the setting of it of you know freddie only being able to get to you in your dreams gives a lot of room to play with that you don't get in other horror movies like in a standard slasher flick kind of thing like in your jason you know in your friday the 13th or your halloween kind of movies because yeah you can play more with that dream logic kind of stuff you can go more like fucking surreal and dataist and holy fuck do they it also excuses a lot more stupid horror movie behavior because dream logic, like you don't act logically within a dream setting. So like, yeah. I actually found that while watching it, I was less angry at the like failure. There's, yeah, the, there's not as much stupid ball. Yeah, that was much stupid ball. Like what the <laughs> like, it, I wasn't screaming. What the fuck are you, you doing? I was uh, except for fucking Johnny Depp, but we'll get there near the end of the movie. <laughs> but for the rest of them, I was like okay like she's following the dead body through the school hallway because in your dream that's what you would do probably like you follow the action yeah so even if it horrifies you so i found that to be effective because it helped me suspend my disbelief a lot more easily so like the whole concept was much more effective as a horror thing than just like a serial killer yeah and they play a lot with like stuff that everybody sort of has in their dreams where like or nightmares kind of thing where you might be actively running away from something, but you never get anywhere mm -hmm. or you end up right back where you started or like screaming and nobody can hear you, all that kind of stuff. They really do a pretty good job of playing on all that kind of, all those fears. Yeah, for sure. Like it's oh. just, it allows them to kind of not set any rules. Like there are rules within the universe to like defeat freddy but it leaves things so open because dreams are still pretty mysterious even now like we have a lot more science around dreams but they're still kind of like what the dreams what are they so uh they yeah. can kind of do whatever they want and you don't have to think too much about the logic of it so it's yeah yeah, yeah. agreed mark what works in these for you or in in nightmare on elm street the original in particular in particular, uh, the score is excellent. I love the score. It's one of those oh, like it's classic eighty synth. Yeah, it's up there with like the John Carpenter scores from the era. It's like yeah. I feel like it's neck and neck with the Halloween score. It's actually very good. Yeah, Robert England's performance, like in this one particularly, I forgot. I always forget that the first one he's not joke Freddy. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, hey, he's he's playing this real straight. So, oh, okay, he is actually pretty creepy. Yeah. And what else? The tone of the movie is so like, yeah, we've talked about like Dadaist and surreal. It is. It always has this dreamlike quality to it, even when it's supposed to be, if it ever is supposed to be in the real world. Like when you're supposed to believe you're in the real world, it still feels kind of weird. Yeah. And maybe that's just a like a budget thing too. Like it adds <laughs> to the tone of the movie. 
where it just feels really claustrophobic also so yeah yeah and i think that they do a pretty good job of in terms of the design and the cinematography like Mm -hmm. designing that dream world so that it is kind of like creepy otherworldly like they do harsher angles in there they have like smoke and mist like coming through the scenes like eerie lighting like really long shadows and stuff like that to sort of I mean, when you're supposed to know that you're definitely in the dream world, you can tell. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like you've got, I've got to shout out the practical effects on this movie, like just in general. Oh yeah, they are astoundingly cool. Like I was like, I was thinking yeah. to myself, like I'm probably going to be like some of the um, the body practical effects with the slashing and stuff like that. Like were obvious prosthetics, but like mm-hmm. the one scene that I di- didn't even remember that this was like a Nightmare on Elm Street thing where he's inside the wall like and stretching the yeah the, the wall yeah. out i love that so much and to think that that was like just a practical effect i think was really cool to me and that yeah. peter jackson stole like crazy in the frighteners and the remember? frighteners yeah yeah he's like nuts in that movie yeah there's and there's a lot of those i mean that's like a really classic shot and effect as well some of the other really iconic ones that iconic scenes and shots that stick out for me are uh, Freddie's glove coming up in between Nancy's legs and that that bathtub. Yeah. yeah, that is just like classic horror for me. Um, and the other one is that like torrent of blood out of Glenn's bed when he gets killed. Yeah, uh, yeah. See, you mean it's not the dummy going back through the window at the in the door? <laughs> that's the... that's pretty fucking bad. Yeah. That is yeah, pretty really, fucking was, bad. <laughs> that was the one where I was like, I was really watching the end, and I was like, oh, that's pretty funny that he's got the striped thing on the top. But then he yeah. grabs the mom and like pulls her through, and it's such a clear like sped up cut of a of a dummy getting pulled through. I was yeah. Like, oh, Although rough. that might be my favorite scene of the mom in the whole fucking movie. <laughs> I, I was trying to figure out who she reminded me of, and it was like she looks like an older Eva or Murray. So I'm like, is she budget Susan Sarandon? Like that's kind of what I went with because <laughs> I couldn't yeah. remember what her name was. Whereas in the later movies, you get budget. Oh fuck. God damn it. The budget off oh, fuck does not sound like a good time. No, to me, no you know budget off oh, fuck. Uh, budget <laughs> oh, oh, fuck. It's been a long week. Oh, the fuck. the woman that keeps winning Oscars. Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep. Yeah, you get budget Meryl Streep in like the second oh, one. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but yeah, that uh, woman, uh, her name's Ronnie Blakely that played the mom is not not good at all every time she's got a fucking scene it just takes me right out of the movie yeah she's yeah really if you presume that she is fucking plastered the entire time in real life she just fucking forgets her lines or something <laughs> they're all being <laughs> fed to her like an on a cue card behind heather lagging camp for the most part <laughs> <laughs> she's just overacting like crazy oh, God. i do have a question have any of you guys met any of the the cast from this no. movie? Because they're con regulars. Oh you know yeah, what I, mean? uh, so, like, I think Robert Englund has been at Dragon Con. I have not met him personally. Because like I'm pretty sure I met like Heather Langdenkamp like in the last yeah. couple weeks or something like that. Like she was at a con I was at. Yeah, she still does all kinds of cons. Um, yeah, but like she... I'm pretty sure I've met her at like Fan Expo in the last couple of years. Like she, I, I was looking her up and I was like, oh yeah, she was at Fan Expo and I'm pretty sure I ran into her. Like yeah. So. I mean, she's one of like the original Scream Queens, right? Like, yeah, absolutely. You get, like, yeah, her, like Jamie Lee Curtis, like Linda Linda Blair kind of thing. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't think I would. I still wonder how I would handle meeting Linda Blair. <laughs> and like now, I'm doing like I'm tabling these cons. I'm like, it's entirely possible that I end up at a con that she's at, and I'm gonna have yeah. like, a panic attack in the middle of a fucking con floor. She's like, oh shit, 
It's yeah. Reagan. Fuck. <laughs> Let's see. What else are we talking about? Yeah, I mean, in terms of a lot of, yeah, those practical effects, like, there are some decent gross-out, like, I'll say, quote-unquote, scares, too. But, like, gross-out moments, which is another just hallmark of, of this series in particular. The one that always sticks out for me in this movie is Freddy cutting his chest open, and then it's full of, like, maggots and, like, green blood and stuff like that coming yeah. out. Yeah. That was one of those moments where it was like obvious prosthetic, but also at the same time effective. Like it still kind of worked for me. Like that is going to be a running theme for me with this movie. It's like everything seems like by the numbers, but it was all pretty well executed. So I'm like, I'm not mad at this movie at all. Like I I had a good time with it. So like, yeah, I mean, that's my thing with it is it's a classic slasher movie and yeah, it's cheesy in places, but it never tries to be something that it's not. You know, yeah. it, it works within within what it's working with pretty yeah, well. Yeah, it certainly never tries to be well acted. So, like, <laughs> yeah. just, uh... that, is, that is, yes. <laughs> that is in my notes I know. many I times. Think I, Heather Langenkamp, her, her performance really sells the movie to me. Like, without her performance, I don't know that I would buy this movie at all. Yeah. Oh, I would not at all, yeah. I don't think. <laughs> like, Johnny Depp, I don't know what he's trying to do there. And, like... Like I, I immediately had the age problem in this movie, right? Yeah. Where I'm just like, holy fuck, everybody's forty two. Like literally <laughs> everybody's forty two. I don't know how old they would have been during this. Let well, check. I, I was looking it up. Oh yeah, actually, Heather Leinenkamp was actually twenty. Like, there's the line in the movie about she. Yeah, yeah, 20. yeah. She actually is twenty. I did. The other see that. girl who gets killed at the beginning was twenty four. Jesus. And I didn't see how old Johnny Depp or the other like high school guy, but that dude looked like he was in his thirties. Like the guy who was supposed to be. Jason Garcia was is the guy's name yeah and that dude looked like he looked like he was like nine feet tall and johnny like, yeah, like johnny depp would have been like 21 yeah yeah so a little bit of dawson casting what it was yeah. really noticeable for me was in the classroom scene i was like i felt like i was in a remedial school <laughs> yeah you know what I mean? in like fucking college yeah i was like are you is this night class like <laughs> yeah. what's going on i don't understand it's like community college yeah. or something like that well <laughs> And that is one of the things that weirds me out about this movie going back and watching it now that probably wouldn't have when I was originally watching yeah. it was like it like they specifically say that like Nancy's friend was like 15 years old when she died. Yeah. And like Nancy's probably about the same age. Right. And they really fucking sexualize those female characters. Yeah. And they're meant to be like fucking 15, yeah. 16 years old. Yeah. It's a little big weird. Yikes. It's a little weird. Like, but... big yikes. like they show either nancy or a body double of nancy like naked in silhouette when she gets pulled under the water yeah. in the bathtub yeah and like i'm it's real weird for me to be like oh wait you're still trying to tell me she's like 15 or 16 right yeah. like that's yeah not okay and, she, and there's another scene where she's changing near the end of the movie too where it's kind of like yeah what what yeah. what yeah yeah there's a and even like the scene with tina and the the, the tall guy the tall guy that looks too old is i don't even remember his character's name at this point oh uh tina's boyfriend. boyfriend yeah nick is nick? Uh, yeah yeah nick. so he's like like they're like full-on post-coital while she's getting murdered and it's just like this is pretty gratuitous yeah. that they are supposed to be 15 16 years <laughs> old like it's it's a lot yeah, and I mean, I'm okay with like gratuitous sex and nudity in a slasher movie. Like, it's it's part of it, but not fucking like 15 yeah. year olds. It's a weird. <laughs> Give me like a college slasher. <laughs> yeah, at or least something make like them that. age appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about. I mean, these movies obviously don't work without Freddy, without Robert Englund in that fucking role as the Jack Earl Haley remake uh, re- uh, fucking evidences. So how? I'm. Because I watched yeah. it this weekend. <laughs> so for me, I mean, 
Freddy is my favorite of those classic slashers because he's got more personality and charisma, even in this, where he's not really in his like final form yet, you know, compared to like Jason and Michael Myers, who are just totally silent, like almost golems kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, I think that that definitely adds to the horror of it because he's clearly enjoying himself while he's torturing these kids in their dreams. Uh, there's a like yeah. with the silent killers, there seems to be like, yeah, there it's like this kind of weird force of nature, but it's almost less creepy as a result, like, or it's a different kind of creepy. Whereas someone like Freddie was more force of nature. Yeah. Whereas Freddie is when he was alive already took pleasure in killing children. So the fact that he was added this supernatural element, like adds to the creep factor of the whole thing. So yeah, it's, yeah. It, he definitely has more, presence and he's definitely more of a like wild card like it's, his stuff is he's not just going to slowly chase you down he'll do something unpredictable he'll fuck with you first yeah exactly and i find yeah. that much more compelling he's like a cat playing with its food kind of thing mm, exactly yeah in some <laughs> um, really messed up ways yeah <laughs> i just love like that design of freddy is just classic like i said i mean and it's been riffed on over and over again the glove the scarred face and the skin the ratty sweater yeah the hat and everything such and... a weird fucking like bad christmas sweater thing to like <laughs> turn into like a horror trope but here it is now like 35 yeah. years later you only did that because of the color theory on it right like because it's such a contrast between yeah. red and green yeah like it pudding so that's why he pick that's that color for the sweater yeah, there you go and now it's iconic yeah so there you go yeah yeah and then they play with with those character elements really well like you know specifically the the glove i mean and the the sounds that they get out of that glove as well like that that's one of the things that i always remember about these movies when i'm thinking back to them is freddie dragging those knives along with those blades like along like a piece of steel or like uh, in one of the later movies like a chalkboard and stuff like that and yeah i can't imagine how fucking terrible that must have been to sit in a theater in the eighties and fucking listen to that and have everybody just like grabbing their ears. Like that is just a visceral reaction mm-hmm. that they're playing on there. Agreed. Yeah, no, I, uh, the sound design is pretty good throughout. Like it, they do a good job of like for the horror sound effects, yeah. not the dialogue. There's some like, it, it doesn't <laughs> yeah. that weird seventies movie thing of like this, like really fast paced, almost like, emotionless dialogue as they're walking to school in the morning and like i've seen this happen in a lot of like more budget late 70s early 80s movies where it's like there's actually a couple like good lines there that but the delivery is so just like we got to get this fucking out there we got to finish this shot we're losing daylight let's do this it's just kind of like oh all this dialogue happened and it's like it has almost no effect whatsoever like there's that one line where tina is making fun of Glenn. And it's like, uh, I had a boner with your name on and it's like, how did you fit all the letters of Tina on there? And it was just like, yeah, all four like, letters. All four letters. <laughs> I was like, that's a good fucking bird. But I was so yeah. flat that I was like, oh man, like at least in the <laughs> early to mid nineties, they would have like played that up a little bit more, but oh well, yeah. it's fine. And that's another it's thing like, in the later movies with, you know, with more budget and more, you know, this, this was, probably fucking done on like a wing and a prayer kind of thing mm-hmm. i mean it was like this is new line's first basically commercial success 
up yeah. up until this new line was just a, a distribution company they didn't really produce movies and this was kind of the first movie that they took a risk on and to this day new line cinema is referred to as the house that freddie built hmm. so yeah there you go. yeah so i mean there's definitely some seams on this because it's the first iteration and i think that as the series goes on the acting for the most part gets better or more consistent they're able to get like better some bigger name people and that kind of thing yeah not no. not to say that like you can't fault them too harshly for you know it was a low budget film and they were probably trying to get these fucking shots in as quickly as they could so they could like yeah exactly cut and run yeah those exterior shots are not easy to do so like yeah yeah but Man. Well, and that's another thing that ends up being like a really iconic part of this series is those exterior shots, particularly of the house, because that house just keeps fucking coming back throughout the series as well and is almost a character to itself. Right. Yeah. Um, let's see. What else? There, there's also, I mean, this is around the time where you're starting to get a lot of like these slasher movie tropes that are getting codified as well, right? Like the slutty girl that dares to have sex before marriage fucking first to die the like pure girl that denies her boyfriend's advances is the one that survives at the end they literally have her like the crucifix falls on top of her uh (laughs) like literally jesus bonks her on the head and is all like that and i'm like i had just listened to the exorcist episode recently and i'm like oh no what is she gonna do with that thing and (laughs) (laughs) and it's like oh she just put it back on the wall i'm like Okay, she's gonna make it to the end of the movie. I was like, I knew that Nancy was like the the long term survivor. Like she had, she was in multiple movies and whatnot. But like, yeah. I was like, oh yeah, this is like this is them hanging a lampshade on the fact that she is going to survive because yeah. yeah. Well, except you don't know that at the end of the movie because this also is one of the early examples of like the hey, does everybody actually survive? Because the ending of this movie they're clearly still in the dream world and they get in like the freddy convertible and that's that scene with freddy pulling uh nancy's mom through the window or the fucking dummy of nancy's mom through the window yeah yeah so <laughs> which again is is it like classic slasher ending and like they're just priming themselves for a sequel yeah with them locked in the freddy car like i it seemed to me like yeah. it, it was going to be more anthology than like recurring characters like when nancy came back in the third one like yeah, yeah. I, I, like i it seemed to me like they had decided okay instead of doing just anthologized freddy movies we're going to do like a series with sequels and character development and things like that and i don't think that's yeah. where they were initially going with it because that would because the second movie had really nothing to do with the first for the most part. Yeah, it kind of goes back and forth between those. I mean, the third one is the only one where Nancy comes back and beside uh, the new nightmare, which is like the meta quote unquote real world set movie. Isn't she in the fourth one too? No. I thought she was in the third and fourth one, but don't quote me on that. No. I haven't seen any of the other ones, so. Yeah, no, she is not in the fourth one because she dies saving the kids right. in the third one at oh, the end of the okay. third one. Right, right. Let's see, what else did I want to talk about? I mean, the other one that's kind of a little bit of a trope that in this is, and, and something that's really memorable yeah. for me about these movies is Heather's shock of hair turning white from fear. And yeah, and I mean, that's realistically something that can actually happen when people have like a traumatic event in their lives. That shit happens. 
like maybe not necessarily just a piece of your hair or whatever but yeah she gets like the rogue streak there at yeah <laughs> oh, interesting i forgot that that element happened and i was like oh yeah i forgot about that it's one of those yeah. little details that they add in this movie that i was like oh yeah that's a million miles away from me now yeah that whole scene was really interesting to me because that's the scene where the doctors and the mother are watching nancy have her dream and it was weird to me that they chose to have such a pivotal like discovery about freddy that he can be taken into the real world by a sheer force happen kind of off camera outside of nancy's mind like she just wakes up and then there's the hat like it's a it was a mm. weird creative choice i'm not saying that it was a bad creative choice it was just weird that that like a pretty pivotal piece of information but we don't actually get to see it occur on camera and i thought that was like yeah, yeah. and we kind of had that same thing last week with exorcist right like mark and i were talking about certain elements and plot points that you don't actually see and we were wondering there if that was like a conscious choice or if it was like a budget decision or something like that like maybe they had a scene storyboarded for that but didn't have the budget to film it or something yeah, yeah. or a lot of it's like stuff that kit got cut in the book in the exorcist case i'm sure in this case it was more like what are you gonna do yeah we're trying yeah. to make a 1.6 million dollar horror movie or something like that. yeah exactly and then they show well they even pay homage to another low budget horror movie you guys catch evil dead on the tv that i did nancy's yeah. watching I always, yeah. I, that's one of my favorite parts of the movie is yeah <laughs> getting a little bruce campbell love right there yeah so. a little bit of that mighty chin yeah damn right yeah <laughs> i mean i like that the the horror movies in this time are like self-referential and kind of respectful of each other like they're all struggling to survive on these low budgets and stuff like that and it's like yeah we're there horror movies were not what they are now they're like they were the up-and-coming genre i guess yeah they were that thing that weirdos went and watched kind of thing they weren't mainstream in any way shape or form really yeah so yeah but yeah, going back to, you were going back to like, you know, talking about how Nancy ultimately sort of reasons out how she can deal with Freddy by like pulling him into the real world. I like that. Like that works for me, that dream logic kind of thing. Like if I grab him and pull him out with me, then I can potentially kill him. Like he's got to be vulnerable in the real world, whereas he isn't in the dream world. But I'd actually forgotten about like the fucking Home Alone sequence because it's been oh, like, yeah. I don't know, probably like five or six years at least since I've watched the original. Yeah. It seems that part seems a little out of place, but in retrospect, I mean, you know, she is reading books earlier in the movie about like how you know home defense and improvised yeah. weapons and stuff like that. She's and... also fifteen, right? In theory, twenty four. Yeah. Like actually, so well, hey. Kevin was only like fucking ten uh, or some shit like that. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> to me, that this makes a, a weird sort of sense because. The tension at the end of the movie after Glenn dies is that she is making her father promise to come get her at a certain time when she's planning to wake up and drag Freddy into the real world. And the tension is that all of these dumb fuck adults in her life, like the father who used her as bait to catch a murderer, like she's depending on this fucking idiot to save her life and she did i honestly don't believe that she thinks it's gonna happen like she's going in there hoping on a wing and a prayer hoping for the best and she has to depend on her dumb fuck dad 
to get things done after her parents have been failing her the entire film. Like, yeah, her parents fucking suck. Too, like. <laughs> and that just keeps coming back in this movie or in this series in yeah. particular, right? Like every movie, it's like the kids fucking figure out what's going on. They're trying to tell the adults. The adults, in some cases, are fucking responsible for like for the grisly death of Freddy Krueger. You know, he's a fucking child murderer, but still, yeah. you don't like just fucking burn somebody alive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And subsequently, we well, well, I've been doing everything all wrong my <laughs> yeah, whole life. Right. I thought you could just burn people alive, guys. Yeah, yeah. it's Holy okay. Shit. I learned that from this movie. I thought that was just cool. Yeah, man, they're all witches. It's fine. Just fucking. Yeah, burn. right. Yeah. Exactly. Every single yeah. person that I burned alive was a witch, for sure, one hundred percent, or a child murderer. We'll go with that but one. It, it means like that, you know, the parents are not necessarily much better than Kruger to begin with, kind of thing. Yeah. So you're left with this world basically where only the kids are the fucking ones that have any good in them really know what's going on kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah, it was just like, it was to me, the, the home alone sequence was forgiven to an extent because she really didn't have anyone she could count on. She was the only fucking person who had any like attempt at a plan to stop what yeah. was going on while everyone, like pretty much everyone was in denial about what was happening up until like even fucking Glenn, Johnny Depp's character was Glenn, like Glenn, did, yeah, really Glenn. did yeah. really did not believe what was happening. It didn't seem like it anyway. He didn't take it seriously at all. Fucking fallen asleep in his bed serves you right. Yeah, serves you right, Glenn. <laughs> and and then it also gives an added like psychological like little bit of a mind fuck as well because she's having to like sit there. Like something's trying to kill her in her dream. She has no way to defend against it. She's afraid to fall asleep. And then she's when she's awake, she's got this like feeling of being powerless. Like she's watching her friends get killed in their dreams, knowing that there's nothing she can do to stop it, which is, yeah, that's a, a nice added dimension to it as well mm-hmm. that you don't get in, in other slasher movies. Yeah. Oh, the other thing too, while we're talking about sort of the difference between dreams and the real world, I noticed this for the first time watching it is that there's some of the dream sequences where they actually frame it differently. It's a different fucking aspect ratio. I didn't see that. It's a tighter, uh, it's particularly at the, in the opening shots. I mean, there's like that really close, close up, like really tight aspect ratio where he's making the glove, which is great. I always love that scene. It's a great introduction to the movie. And right away you've got an idea. Okay. The threat is this guy that has fucking knives for hands. Mm-hmm. nicer fingers but then when you get into that initial dream sequence it's not quite filling the full frame yet okay and then when you actually get the into the real world for the first time it expands out into the full aspect and it's that i'd never noticed that until watching it through this time and i've got like the old like fucking around like 2000 early 2000s like huge fucking box set of all these movies that so that's it's obvious on this set anyways i don't know if it's maybe just i don't know why they would do that like just for this transfer or whatever but so interesting yeah i did not notice that while i was watching it gotta give this movie credit for doing its best for with what it had generally speaking yeah overall (laughs) like that's really really the credit overall is just like you had this much budget and you did bigger than the sum of its parts really yeah absolutely i mean this became a fucking like phenomenon right yeah yeah, it spawned five direct sequels and then sort of like a meta sequel uh, with uh, Wes Craven's New Nightmare, which was like late 90s or like mid 90s. I mean, in these, the original ones, yeah, 96 or 97. 94, 94, right? Okay. Because it was before Scream. In the course of 10 years, this fucking franchise had seven movies. Yeah. 
1994. I was right. Yeah. And I mean, there's not a lot of franchises that can say that. I mean, look at how long it takes us to get a fucking new Star Wars movie these days or that kind of thing. So, well, not anymore, <laughs> right? Because like, you get one a year, basically. So True, true. Not, yeah, not for much longer, though. This one's no. going to be the last one for a, a while. That's true. But yeah, I mean, so like the second one came out like a year after the first and like they really rode that wave. You know, they were just, hey, this fucking thing is catching like wildfire so let's just keep cranking them out and and then it had a tv series like an anthology series as well did you guys ever watch any of that like freddy's nightmares no it's not they, great. It had bumpers with him in it though right like he did bumpers yeah that? yeah yeah it was kind of like tales from the crypt kind of series where yeah. like freddy yeah robert england as freddy like kind of acted as the host and then they would have like these i don't know if it was like a half hour or an hour long but yeah, i mean it went on for i think it had two seasons two seasons three seasons but yeah that one i've only watched bits and pieces of it and it's uneven at best but for the most part the sequels are all pretty fucking solid or at the very least like they have amazing practical effects you get just fucking robert england chewing up the goddamn scenery and really becoming that like super camp like you know more more beetlejuicey like type of character that you're almost cheering for him at that point yeah yeah and the other thing I really like about this series is that, and this is another thing that most of the classic slasher series do, is you get more dimension to the character. You get more mythology about it as you go along. Because all you know about Freddy in the first movie is that he was a child murderer and the fucking townspeople like took it upon them to burn him alive. And then later on, you get these dimensions of like, oh, he was actually the child of a nun who was raped by a thousand asylum inmates and shit like that yeah. and and then like the added dimension of like him fucking with his own uh not fucking but like messing around with his own fuck I, I, phrasing tim phrasing uh <laughs> let's say like psychologically abusing his daughter in freddy's dead and that last of the sort of original series and stuff like that too so yeah So you get more, you know, it's not just like, here's another fucking movie with Freddy just trying to kill some people in their dreams. It doesn't get stale, for me at least. Do you guys have any, we've we've sort of griped a little bit as we've gone through with like the mother and stuff like that. Is there anything here that really does not work for you? The hair, mostly. (laughs) (laughs) Whose hair? Uh, The mom's in particular. Like when she first (laughs) walks in, I was like, that's what I wrote. I was like, Jesus Christ, 80s mom hair. There's that like Vaseline funny. on the lens, and it's oh she's my all God, like it blurry, was, and it looked like yeah, it looked like like eighties sitcom, not sitcom, eighties um, like soap, soap opera. opera. Yeah. yeah, it looked like eighties soap opera kind of thing. And I was like, this is intense, man. Yeah. Which tracks with her performance too, right? Like, it dramatic. Like it actually tracks with everybody in this movie's performance. Uh, and I'm pretty sure like the lead guy has been in other stuff, like the not the lead guy, John so, like, John the, Saxon. The yeah. Oh yeah. That has been in other stuff, and he's never been good. Like I don't ever think i've seen him in a movie where i'm like oh yeah he's he's good in this and this is a good movie like he doesn't do good movies no that dude was like a journeyman actor he's done like he did like 200 uh yeah. movies or something like that he mostly did westerns and horror movies so it was a lot of like b-movie kind of stuff yeah yeah he did his uh he did his stuff who's in enter the dragon <laughs> oh okay yeah but like bruce lee movies are all basically like b expectation movies yeah, yeah so <laughs> so yeah i was trying to, i was trying to like look through my notes and see if there's anything that was like Really interesting. Oh, you know what I did notice that I thought was really funny? There was a part where Nancy's talking to her mom and her mom's watching the news. And the shot is like a semi-transparent body bag with the girl's arm hanging out of it. And it's just fucking covered in gore. I'm like, yeah, that would end up on TV 
Yeah. Small town, small town yeah. America in the eighties. Yeah. I was like, "There's no fucking way they would show that." I think we're still in the Dream Boys because uh, yeah. what the fuck? That's crazy. <laughs> also, yeah. I guess them showing Evil Dead on TV is also kind of nuts too. Uh, in well, late point. night, yeah, but like in eighty four, like that it just come <laughs> out like two years before. I don't even know. I don't know. Anyway, either way, yeah. good times. I was uh, surprised that the body count was so low. Like comparatively, maybe I'm just used to like. Well, you're yeah. used to like the escalation, yeah. right? Like this is the this... that's the thing. A lot of this is like yeah, this is the introduction. Yeah, yeah, this is like the original. Well, not even the original, I guess, because like Halloween and Friday the Thirteenth are before this, right? Yeah. Like, like the, this kind of like slasher thing. But like, yeah, it is the introduction to this kind of like it's very supernatural compared to those guys, too, yeah. right? So <laughs> like, I was it, it, and particularly like if there were only three. What three deaths? It was like the three, four. four I guess Freddy, because the mom. Dies, oh yeah, the mom. Right? Dies well, too. we don't know if the mom dies because yeah, that's it, all in the yeah, dream, dream world. world. But but yeah. like um, the most gruesome death arguably is Tina's at the beginning of the movie, where like she's getting thrown yeah. around the room, ripped apart for like Slashed, yeah for a long time. Like her death takes a while to actually like go through. Like comparatively speaking, the two boys who get murdered get it done pretty quickly like johnny depp's death is gruesome but you don't actually see him get killed on camera blood. so it was like they really really wanted to punish tina for having sex in that scene because yeah. holy shit like she's getting thrown up against the wall anti-gravity style which they so nice they had to do it twice because they use the like the anti-gravity effects like the turning the room around for the well, they flip the, they room, flip the room yeah because yeah i think they, i think they build the room upside down or something like that to do that it effect. Was, like that's how they it was cool and i like there was some it. rotation i think as well so i think it must have been on like a, like a, uh, on a gimbal or something, gimbal like or something yeah. yeah i really yeah. enjoyed those effects but it's like man watching tina get killed for that long like it felt yeah. like it's pr- particularly gruesome. It's an interesting misdirect too, where you're kind of led to believe she's the protagonist of the movie because you're following her along up to that yeah. point. Like you're really trailing her, and then you switch over to Nancy there. So you're kind of like it's all. Like, he kind of does it again in Scream, right? Where you're like a lot faster in Scream, but like it's the same kind of thing where you're watching this main character kind of go along, and then all of a sudden, three seconds in, she's brutally and murdered. it goes from the blonde, yeah. the blonde to the brunette. And it goes from the blonde to the brunette. Yeah. yeah. So hmm, I mean, this does is... Wes Craven have a thing? <laughs> he might have a thing. <laughs> it's either that or he's just—he's codifying his own tropes, almost. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? I mean, Scream was meta, obviously. And yeah, and like he'd, but like if he did New Nightmare two years before that, that's like almost—that's like proto Scream. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. the transitional step between this and Scream. Yeah, absolutely. New Nightmare. So we should almost do New Nightmare just to like compare and contrast Scream. Kind of yeah. Yeah. No, I love New Nightmare. It's like the, you know, one of those first like sort of fourth wall breaking meta uh, takes on on like a big franchise. And I haven't seen it in age. My memories of this franchise is so sullied by Jason versus Freddy. Yeah. That, which was just like, I mean, I had fun watching it. I remember that was like a good movie theater experience. Like I had so much fun watching it with the crowd that I watched it. Yeah. And then when I rewatched it, I was like, holy fuck, this is god awful. Like just. <laughs> God awful. I think I saw that movie yeah. in theaters too. Did that have Kelly Rowland in it from Destiny's Child? It did. No, wait. Or is that one of the Scream movies? I, I'm honestly confused. Oh, it did. It, it did have me. Kelly Rowland in it. Okay, that's that. That to me is the standout for some reason because I'm I love Destiny's Child. It's fine. So whatever. <laughs> <laughs> the 
girl at the beginning of the movie I thought was Catherine Isabel, and it is not Catherine Isabel. I found that out the hard way when I was watching the movie again because I was like expecting Catherine Isabel, and I was like, that's not Catherine her. Isabel is in the movie. She is in the movie. I'm looking at the cast list is right she? now. It is Catherine Isabel. Okay. Okay, I think I thought she was the one who got topless at the beginning, and that's for my disappointment. <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right. But it also did not even have the good Jason Voorhees. It had didn't have Kane Hodder as uh, Jason Voorhees. That dude was at Hamilton Con last week, and I met him. <laughs> so. Kane Hodder was. Uh, or... One of the Jasons was there. Kenneth Kurtzinger is the one that did it in uh, Freddy vs. Jason. I think that's the guy who was at the con. I don't Kane know. Hodder. There was a Jason there. Kane Hodder was originally considered for the role of Freddy as well before kind of before they settled on like having somebody a little bit like smaller in frame and kind yeah. of lanky kind of thing. Yeah, because they didn't initially they didn't think they were going to actually have like an actor play that role. Right. Like he didn't realize he was going to have that much yeah. dialogue and they lucked out that he was good at it because they ended up turning him into Beetlejuice in the next couple movies. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Beetlejuice, but who kills people? Yeah, well, Peter just <laughs> tried to kill a bunch of people. Just, you know, <laughs> he just wasn't very good, good at, at it. it. Yeah. He's just not very good at it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the we we're talking about like there not being that many kills in this movie. I mean, there's not. The most memorable kills in this series are mostly in the latter movies, like shit like the puppeteer mm, kill yeah. and like that, like. There's the TV one. Yeah, the that TV I one. Yeah. yeah, the TV one I remember. Or the uh, the guy that gets trapped in the waterbed and shit like that. Like those are the ones that. There's one that freaked me out when I was a kid, and I think it was the girl getting turned into a bug in the bug trap. That one, yeah, that one, that one freaked me out. That yeah. one was, cool. yeah. But actually, what I think back about like the Nightmare on Elm Street, like the kills, it is they're they're well, the two big iconic Freddy scenes are from this movie though to me because it's like the bathtub, which yeah. you already mentioned, and then the geyser are like the two scenes that really pop in my head. Yeah, when I think like Nightmare on Elm Street as a horror franchise, also Freddy just being goofy, you know, yeah. being Beetlejuice or yeah. whatever is also the thing that I think <laughs> yeah. of. So. Yeah, but for me, there are a couple of things that don't really work for me looking back in this. I mean, it does rely on jump scares sometimes, not too much, but I mean that was just the times, you know, that was what slasher movies did. I was kind of forgiving a lot of stuff in this movie because I'm like, it's 1984. Like, nobody had TV tropes yet. So, like, th- these tropes didn't exist yet. They were being yeah. codified here. And, like, the jump scares were, I mean, not new because, like, they were using them forever. But they're classic. They were just part of, <laughs> they were part of the genre at that point where, like, they were expected, kind of. Yeah. It would be weird if they did a slasher movie that did not have a couple of jump scares. Exactly. And it wasn't at the point yet where there were guys like us basically bitching about jump scares and like, oh, you guys really, you should scare us for real. Don't make us jump. That's not that scary. Yeah. Like that shit, like back then that worked on people, right? Like it would have worked on me as a kid. So now we're just jaded old fucks. (laughs) Yeah. And for the most part, the makeup really holds up, but there are a couple scenes where you can really see the seams and maybe it's just like, because I'm watching it like close up on like a big screen and HD kind of thing where like Freddy's makeup doesn't hold up in a couple of the close-ups and the one that really fucking breaks it for me is that shitty Freddy mask worn by the stunt guy that gets set on fire at the end. Yeah. Well, stunt guy who gets set on fire who looks like he's about 50 pounds higher than Robin England. Yeah. And then he's got like 20 pounds of like the the the, hot, the heat suit like the, yeah, the whatever suit they the fire use. Because now they put gel. Yeah. Because now it's just like a, an, a like a gel they put on you so you can kind of still So there's be... a barrier. Yeah, yeah, but uh, back then it was like a fucking asbestos like, suit. suit, like an asbestos suit. So that dude's gonna die of cancer because yeah. <laughs> he was in that suit, and he probably did. And I feel bad, so you know, <laughs> asbestos is only bad for you if it's airborne, I guess. But like, I, do you want to be in a suit of it? No, 
I do not. No, so there you <laughs> I go. do not. <laughs> but yeah, that that was the one where I was I was watching that scene and I was like, oh, this is actually kind of a good like little action scene where like the Home Alone thing happens and she's yelling up the window at the dumb fuck cop who's just like the quintessential Nightmare on Elm Street adult who's so fucking stupid that like a sixteen year old girl screaming out of her window for help just stands there like, oh, I guess I should go get her dad, eh? For ten fucking minutes, <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. dude, get your shit together. When your the dad kills you because you let his daughter die, justified homicide. Yeah. Like justified. <laughs> yeah. There, there one more thing that didn't work for me was oh man, that line delivery on uh Freddie holding up the glove and saying, This is God was like, Oh <laughs> Which which could have been an amazing line, but yeah, it's not delivered great. No, the, he yeah, hadn't quite yeah. gotten there. Like if he had let out like a like one of his classic laughs that became more like sneers yeah, and, yeah yeah when he got a yeah. little bit crazier and more campy that line could have worked but they were like that's where this movie starts to enter into like the naive camp territory where like they were trying for some serious stuff and it kind of fell into like good bad stuff instead of just yeah. good good stuff like it was good bad yeah. it was still good <laughs> it was still camp and it was still like the good kind of camp like it was it wasn't self-aware it, all the time but it was still like very watchable like you, you can call yeah. it as john waters say you can cultivate good bad taste and there's good bad taste and bad bad taste and this is good bad taste i would say yeah 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 i, I think that's fair absolutely yeah i don't know do you guys have anything else to say or you want to wrap up and give a rating to nightmare on elm street yeah, i'm ready to wrap up i think all right mark what would you rate uh, give your final thoughts and give a rating out of 10 for Nightmare on Elm Street. I definitely think everybody should have seen Nightmare on Elm Street because it's one yeah. of those, like, it's a quintessential horror movie. Like, you should have seen this movie. It doesn't really necessarily hold up for me 100%. I've never found these movies, like, when I was a kid, I found them scary. And then it's like, as soon as puberty hit, I'm like, yeah, I'm over it. Like, that's not scary <laughs> anymore. I don't know why these movies don't, like, track for me as horror anymore. And it's also because, like, as we were growing up, Freddy became Beetlejuice, basically, as yeah. opposed to being Freddy, right? So I don't find that. This movie was a weird watch for me because I'm like, oh, this is super serious and it's horribly acted, but it's super serious. And I was waiting. I kept waiting for Freddy to go become Freddy, right? Yeah. Because they just call him Fred. So this is like Fred Krueger and he becomes Freddy in part three. And I was like, I, I was waiting for Freddy, I think. So I'm just going to like, I'm going to give this an 8.5 because it's a classic movie and you should totally have seen it. But like expect some cheese yeah. as you're wandering through this one. Mm -hmm. So absolutely fair paul how about you i feel much the same way i think that this movie was definitely a really good stepping stone into what the genre would become and like it set a pretty high bar for practical effects and overall concept i think that the like other horror movies have tried to match and maybe might not have quite gotten there but like it's such a good concept that I'm glad that it exists in this world and I'm glad and I'm glad that I got a chance to watch it again because I don't think I've ever like I've definitely seen this movie in its entirety in the past but this is the first time I sat down and watched it as an adult viewer I think and yeah. and I'm like oh I get like yes the the scenes are showing quite a lot but there's like good foundational ideas here and what it became was pretty amazing so I'm also going to give this an 8.5 because it's definitely like must must watch material. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 
I'm pretty much in the same place as you guys. Like, yeah, this is not necessarily the or example. I not necessarily the or example of a Freddy movie. I don't know that any of them are. I tend to look at this at these movies more as a series than I do as like individual movies kind of thing. And they're one of my favorite. They're they're my favorite slasher series by far. This movie in particular, yeah, you're right. It doesn't necessarily get you all the way to what you have in your head of that idea of Freddy, but you get the little seeds. You can see where you're going to get there later on. So, and yeah, it is absolutely a classic. There are some really iconic shots that are just, you know, icons of horror now kind of thing, you know, poster shots and stuff like that. So I I'll give, because I'm a horror fan, you know, and I, you know, have a lot of appreciation for this and where it stands in the legacy of horror movies. I'm happy to give this a nine out of 10. There's definitely seems fuck. I hate that mother's performance and it takes me out of it. Like I probably could have given it like a nine and a half out of 10 without that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's so yeah. bad, but yeah, it's, it's not a perfect movie, but for what it does and the budget that they had, especially it is an achievement to be sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Cool. Nice. So with that, we will move on to our final segment, which is Geek Cred, where each of us recommends something geeky that we dig. doesn't have to be recent, can be kind of whatever, whenever. So let's go to Mark first. What's your Geek Cred for this week? Let's go to Paul first, because Mark is not really sure. Mark forgot. Yeah, well, <laughs> forgot. Paul, what's your Geek Cred for this well, week? Well, it's weird that you, you uh, Mark kept bringing up Beetlejuice, because that is my Geek Cred. Because I know that it is like <laughs> it, it is my quintessential birthday movie, because to me, it kicks off the Halloween holiday. And it's what the movie that I watched on my birthday proper, like on the actual day of my birthday. I ordered pizza. I sat down. I watched Beetlejuice. It is like probably my favorite movie if i had to if gun to my head if i had to pick a favorite movie it is beetlejuice i love the it's not a bad choice for favorite movie. right it's stylish I, like it's i just watched there's a lot to michael, love there. Yeah. it's michael keaton like, michael, michael keaton. keaton fucking owns every single frame he's in <laughs> in that movie like he's so good and he's only in it for like 15 minutes yeah like he's barely yeah. in the movie and it's long <laughs> But his presence looms heavy over the whole movie. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The beauty of it. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And, like, they they have these, like, serious, weird existential concepts played with such amazing humor, like, with these lines, like, if I knew then what I know now, I wouldn't have had my little accident. The civil servant in the afterlife shows her slashed wrists. It's just it's oh, yeah. so many good moments in that movie, back to back. But it, the whole is even bigger than the sum of its parts again. Like, it's kind of like, yeah, there's all these great ideas, but they work together to make a really strong narrative as well. And so, like, if you guys have not seen Beetlejuice, now is the season, now is the time, fucking watch Beetlejuice. It's the best movie. And I will never say that Tim Burton's my favorite director, but this is his best film. Easily. Like, 100%. And I will fight anyone on that. I'll fight you on Edward Scissorhands. Yeah. Yeah, I could. Mm. I would take. I'd probably take Beetlejuice. I think I'd, I'd have to go look at his filmography. But I'd probably. Well, I'd probably take Nightmare Before Christmas over this. But no, I'd have to. I'd have to. It would be tough. I love Nightmare Before Christmas, and go watch that too, guys. But like for me, it's Beetlejuice. It's just like it's got this that weird domestic horror thing that he liked to do early in the '90s, and kind of tried to do again with Dark Shadows, while going like. Oh, the Edward and Edward Scissorhands. Edward Scissorhands, yeah. yeah. And but oh, fuck, that might be my favorite Tim Burton movie too. I love Edward Scissorhands. Right, it's a 
See, he was so I good think, back in the day. We we need to have this director series finally, where we yeah. sit down and like discuss a director's like entire work. Hey man, we're, we're basically through like all the seasonal shit now, so we can start doing whatever we you do guys that. want. So we yeah, and there's not a whole guys... lot of new. Well, well, now we got all that fucking Disney Plus stuff coming out. We have That's to do true, like Mandalorian true. and yeah, yeah. yeah. <sighs> Man, it sucks. There's so much good stuff coming oh out. Oh my it's god! True. God damn it! <laughs> Fuck. It's true. All right. It's true. But so. but yeah. Again, go see. Go watch Beetlejuice. It is so good. So good. Every performance in that movie is spot on. God bless Catherine O'Hara. God bless that oh, woman. God, I love... yeah, she yeah, is absolutely. so fucking good. Fucking great in that. She's fucking yep. great in that movie. So yes. fucking Tim Burton's leading lady before he found Helena Bonham Carter. Yeah. Yeah. Weirdly yeah, enough, yeah. yeah. I kind of glad he eventually found Eva Green, but it was like way past his prime before he found. Yeah, her, it's unfortunate because she's amazing too. I kind of watched some Eva Green in some of those gothy movies too. She does fit right in. <laughs> so I, I remember what I wanted to recommend. Like we talked about Letterkenny and like my little illustration that got shared. We didn't tell anybody to go fucking watch the new season because it came out like a couple weeks ago. It did. Season seven of Letterkenny is on Hulu and Crave if you haven't watched it yet. And listen, guys, if you're not fucking watching Letterkenny, especially if you're Canadian, you're fucking up, bud. You are 10 ply. <laughs> fucking give your balls a tug. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, get your shit together. Go watch Letterkenny. give your balls a tug. Yeah, fuck. Shorzy's <laughs> so good this year, boys. Oh, my he gosh. Shorzy was one of my best parts of the season. Fucking sure. the church. It wasn't. It wasn't my favorite season overall. The but last two episodes had... were the best. Like <laughs> I, I, was, I thought it was very uneven. I agree, but the last two seasons just killed, or the last two episodes, I should say, just killed. Yeah. Me. yeah. Um, and Shorzy, oh fuck, he's like, he's yeah, a fucking gift to comedy, man. Days. He's good at doing that shit. Like both as Wayne <laughs> and fucking Shorzy, he gets like, he gives himself the best lines because he could fucking crush them, and he does. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. So my geek cred for this week is something pretty related to our meat of the episode. So I've been watching the current season of American Horror Story, which is American Horror Story 1984. And it's very much in that same slasher vein as Nightmare on Elm Street, you know, Friday the 13th, Halloween, all that. Uh, There's lots of great throwbacks and nostalgia to those like classic slasher franchises. Like all the seasons, it's really well produced. It's set at a summer camp, you know, all that. But as American Horror Story usually does, it subverts and updates some of those older kind of stale tropes to freshen them up a bit. So it gives them kind of a fresh coat of paint. So it's there's, you know, always some little twists and turns and stuff that are unexpected. And there's there, it's like six episodes in now, I think. And they're usually like 12 or 13 episode season. So it's about halfway through right now. So you'd have a good chunk to go like sit down in. And I know that the last few seasons of... American Horror Story have been like uneven at best, but this one is probably my favorite of like the past three seasons, at least so far. It's again, damning by like fame. <laughs> yeah, because no. yeah, three, two seasons back was fucking election, and that was oh, terrible. That was the I worst even season. The first episode. That was of that the shit. worst season of that show. And then last last season was Apocalypse, which had good moments but also had really slow boring moments yeah but this is better than both of those ryan murphy tv shows overall like i'm glad that he's built this little media empire that is incredibly like actor inclusive like pose exists and it's like an entire cast of trans actors and it's a fucking amazing show and mm. giving work to Jessica Lange and Susan Sarandon in Feud. And like, there's the number of actors that he employs who are uh, 
mentally disabled or or non non hetero like all that yeah. stuff like but i he's not always some of his shows just don't hit the mark and american horror story is the most schizophrenic of the bunch yeah yes that's good yeah for it actually schizophrenic's a better word for it but that being said i'm curious about this season because I, I didn't care about the previous concepts at all the last one that i watched in its entirety was roanoke and i liked that one quite a bit yeah the, i wasn't on board until it had its like mid-season switch yeah but then i I got really on board with it at that. Yeah, point. yeah, yeah. It was that was a cool season, like overall good concept. And I have like a soft spot in my heart for Coven, even though it was fucking bad. I like Coven. Like, uh, I, I'm yeah, yeah. It is not it great. Was not but... great. But that was the season where I was like, I'm fucking done with this show. Like I fucking. <laughs> it was like season two. <laughs> I know. That's yeah. what I mean. That's where I was like, I'm fucking done with this show. <laughs> no, no, it was oh, the you next a, year. You missed Asylum. Asylum. Asylum oh. was two. Asylum no. was two, and Coven was three. Asylum, Asylum was two. Coven was three. Okay, yeah, then... yeah. Okay, I got through Asylum. I thought Asylum was great. Yeah. Coven was like, I was like, what the fuck's happening here? And then I tried to watch. Every year, I watch the first episode, and I'm like, nope, this is not for me. And it. Every... You didn't watch through Freak Show. It, Freak Show no. was so good. No, I couldn't. That that's not my not my jive. Oh, that, those it, Jessica so. Lang versions of Bowie songs were amazing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Maybe I'll have to try it again at some point. The problem is it's never going to happen, man. Disney's going to start dumping shows on me and I'm yeah. fucked. Like, Marvel, <laughs> like Marvel's just going to own my existence for like ever yeah. now. Yeah, and watch, so, Watchmen's enough. out and The Good Place is still happening. So Yeah, like there's, <laughs> like, there's too much shit that I, I'm like waiting to binge on before I, I'm like, I'm not going to, no, I'm never going to go back and watch this show. It's just never going to happen. Yeah, yeah. sad, enough. but you know. Uh, yeah, so that's it for me for American Horror Story 1984. So with that, we can finish up. So thank you very much for listening as we took a walk through the dream world with Freddy Krueger. If you like what you heard, you can, or you have anything to say about the Nightmare on Elm Street movies or anything we talked about this evening, you can get at us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast. You can hit us up on Twitter at deodorant underscore podcast. You can shoot us an email at dancerbotdancepodcast at gmail.com. And if you are not already subscribed to our podcast, you can do so in a multitude of ways. You can do so on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher or uh, Spotify or most places that podcasts can be gotten. So with that, uh, we'll say good night. Uh, say good night, Paul. Good night, everybody. And say good night, Mark. Good night, everybody. Come see me next week, Markham Con, Sunday, November 3rd, from 10 till 4 p.m. Good yes. times. Come buy and... a drawing. They're pretty. <laughs> you should see them. The boys have seen them. Yes. I'll post some stuff. They're Indeed. nice. So, uh, yeah. And we're going to start doing these regularly. So, when the boys are home, they will probably be at the table with me. So, you get to meet the whole crew. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, the cons are all over the place. It'll be a fun way to kill the weekend. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So. so, with that, uh, don't go to sleep. And we'll talk to you next time. One, two, Freddy's coming for you. Three, four, better lock your door. I'm not gonna do it's, the whole thing. Uh, I was gonna say, is he gonna do the whole thing? Come on, man! Never sleep again. Uh, all right, all right, we'll cut it there. <laughs>